Welcome to the CFN Podcast. Yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, <clears throat> kind of moving down the chain here a little bit, right? In my eyes, the number one point of contact or the number one thing that you should do is become the smartest person in the room, right? The formula for success, education plus good experience, I'm going to elaborate that on a little bit, plus value is going to be your key for whatever model you're in, whether you're in private sector, you're in a corporate setting, whether you're a young professional, does not matter, right? So education is kind of the foundation from which all of your ideologies will stem from, training, coaching, programming, everything, you know, this is your base here. You know, so experience, experience is kind of the ultimate teacher. I feel that's that's extremely important. But I want to elaborate. I'm going to go way more into detail, obviously, in the following slides about that. But, you know, I don't like the quote. I think there's a bad rap, especially in the training fitness industry, about, you know, people say, oh, I have 20 plus years of experience. But if that 20 years of experience is not a good experience, you're kind of almost defeating the purpose. You know, five years of good experience and application will trump 15 years of bad experience, you know, especially, you know, finding the right mentor and networking within the industry. You know, lastly is value. Obviously, social media is a tool, but I think social media is, uh, it should be a highlight reel and it should just be kind of focusing in on things that you're doing. Don't use it as your main education platform because, you know, if you're not working a lot of sessions, if you're not running your own business, if you're not kind of interacting with people, you know, Instagram is kind of like almost 
a facade of what's actually happening. So, you know, I think it's first important to gain good experience, gain good education, and use social media, or it doesn't even have to be Instagram, but use social media as a tool, especially here with our business a little bit. Like, if social media kind of crashed, I think we'd still be okay. You know, I use, for instance, like with this Zoom call, um, a few guys are missing, but I really posted about it a little bit, but I kind of would just message people if they were interested. And, you know, that worked better. I think word of mouth, you know, word of mouth or referral based stuff is, is the way to go when it comes to um, sharing your ideologies, networking and getting real people in your door. So, you know, a little bit about myself, just for you guys. I know, we, you know, we all follow each other. It's fun. It's cool. But. You know, I just kind of a little bit more deep dive here. I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I graduated magna cum laude with a minor in business concentration and business management. I have a master's certification, which is not a master's degree. It's like an associate degree in business and sports law from Villanova. NASA sports performance enhancement certification, CSCS certified, certified exercise physiologist, blah, 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 blah. You know, just kind of wanted to give you guys the background of things that I've studied and found useful. But in all honesty, my, you know, most proud thing that I'm that I kind of like to I don't want to say show but use is the 12,000 hours of experience in the last six years you know I've done over 2,000 hours worth of sessions in six years from DeFranco's training systems which I interned there with under Joe directly um all the way to kind of now varsity house gym which Chris you're pretty familiar with so yeah you know and then here's kind of moving in Moving into a little bit of a deeper dive here, you know, education, experience, and application. So something that's really important, I think, is the 70-20-10 principle, right? 70% of experience, good versus bad, 20% is your interaction with others, and 10% is your education, right? And, and something I wanted to do, too, is I'm going to give you guys uh, like a sheet or a handout of resources in terms of books I feel like you guys should read to kind of set the foundation there. And then... um you know, training mentorships and certifications and, and connecting you guys with some cool people. But, you know, this model, the 70-20-10 principle is used everywhere from corporate businesses, Fortune 500s, the 5,000s, the Fortune 50 companies. And even we use it here a little bit. It's just 70% of the experience is about actually you being in the trenches and working with people, but under a good mentor. You know, I think laying the framework for training, you know, is super important just from like a sales perspective too. So like Chris, an example is, you know, I'll use because I know you is like people, it's hard to market if you do not have a set in stone, you know, training system because then people are coming in that the product could be different, you know, all the time, depending on like if one of your employees delivers it differently or if you deliver it differently than one of your employees. And even for the rest of you guys too, like Mike and CJ, it's like, I want to make sure that I have, you know, an extensive base of knowledge coupled with great experience and I've mastered my craft because I think you'd want to get to a point where you don't necessarily have to market to try to get people in your door. You're just such a well-known expert in what you do that people kind of seek you out, you know, as vice versa. There's a difference between marketing and I'm telling you what we do as opposed to I'm trying to convince you that we do something that we may or may not be an expert in, if that makes sense. You know, so that's percent experience of good experience is extremely important, you know, layered in with your education. And then 20% here is kind of the interaction with others that I have. 
And that's about finding others who are more experienced and finding great, you know, mentors. Your network is your net worth. You know, I think it's extremely important to constantly reach out to people and, and, you know, having the mindset that you're no better than anybody else in the sense that, like, I feel like and we all should feel like we could learn from anybody. You know, it's like Kobe Bryant said, there was a cool quote I read in his book that he learned his turnaround jumper from a girl in an eighth grade game, you know, at his daughter's, um, I think it was like a rec league or something like that, who went on later to win like three national champ or three NBA championships off of like one move that he said helped him so much. So it's like, I feel like social media, like I said, is a highlight reel, but it provides little golden nuggets with things that we all could take away from a little bit. But if you noticed in the module here, right, in the model, 70% experience, 20% interaction with finding others, 10% is education. So the 70-20-10 principle, I think, has to be in reverse, right? So this is what they say works the best, and I agree. We would all say experience, right? If CJ's doing 10, 15 sessions a day, Mike, if you're doing 10, 15 sessions a day with athletes, right, that's going to be your best teacher. But again, it all, I think, has to be reversed. So as I kind of go down here, you know, the application of the 70-20-10 principle, I had, a mo- I had a picture, but I don't know what happened. The internet deleted it. But I, th- <laughs> but I, think, it sh- I think it should be reversed, right? So when laying the framework down for your education, I think that should be attacked first, right? Your base of knowledge, what books you guys should read. Like I said, I'm going to send you a link with 30, you know, books Broken down into different categories, and I'll explain that later of, of how you should go about obtaining your education. But education is paramount from the top two. So, Chris, something we started doing here is we actually started implementing our coaches NPR. And what that is is we have it every Friday at two o'clock. And it doesn't matter if you're a one man show, right? So the other guys here, if you're a one man show, you dedicate one hour throughout the day where you spend to complete reading. Right. And you make each person or you make yourself find an article in three separate categories that I'm going to kind of go over here. Right. Three separate categories. So one is coaching or personal development. This includes all aspects of personal development, growth, mindset, perception, public speaking. Category two is performance training. That's what we all love. Right. So anything performance training, injury prevention, movement, nutrition, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on and on. Like I said, I have 10 books each mapped out for you guys individually. But And then the next one is category three is business, and that's kind of learning valuable skills, right? So here's how I do the plan of attack is pick one of the categories. It could be an article. It could be a book. It could be a, uh, a write-up somewhere that you found. And you're going to get a separate notebook for each of these categories. So category one, you'll have a notebook. Category two, you'll have a notebook. And category three, you'll have a notebook. And it'll be labeled personal growth, performance, business. <clears throat> and then you're going to read through that, highlight it, and then write the key points within that book, right, within that notebook. And then let's say if you have more time. You know, I don't know, you know, every, everybody's schedule, but let's say if you have more time, from there what I would do is maybe you do one of each within a week. But, like, look at the accumulation. Look at the compound effect of that. So over the course of a month, you have four separate articles that you've written of each. That's 12 separate things highlighted and written out in your notebook, right? And that's where your base of knowledge comes from. Eric Cressy talks about he always has three books going at each at a time. 
Um, and these are kind of the categories that he follows. But I've been doing this for a while as well, and it's, it's helped me insurmountably, you know, over kind of my small training career. So, you know, that's your, that's your knowledge or your education base, if you will. Now, experience, right? Experiencing the right things, you know, this is what I meant by elaborating on it. There's a significant difference between experiencing good and bad things. You know, obviously everybody has to get their foot wet in the door and just working with people and human interaction. But I think finding a good mentor immediately is the way to go because the way they carry themselves is slightly different, right? I'm going to talk about the three P's of professionalism heading down a little bit. But, you know, if you find somebody who's been in the trenches, they have a great base of knowledge and they can apply the things that they learn really well, you know, that's going to go a really long way. So like an example is when I was with Joe, you know, just watching the way he coached the tonality in his voice, how he approached different things, um, kind of framed my ideology of how I would develop my relationship with people individually on an individual level, you know? So I think that's extremely important. You know, if you obtain your information from an, you know, an unreliable source and implement it with your clients, you know, you're going to get bad experience. And then that bad experience, unfortunately can't be taken away, you know? So all circles through, right? That kind of leads back to the coaches NPR and even individually, you know, for Siege and Mike and you guys, it's like, if I can organize my learning and how I go about it, I pick some of that information and I can directly apply it to whatever I'm doing. That's good experience, right? That's good experience as opposed to, I heard this, I saw it, I might try it out and I'm going to talk about the organization of a training plan down the road, but it's like, that's bad experience. And then you can't analyze it and you can't obtain good data. And as a result, you know, you're kind of just going down the wrong rabbit hole a little bit, you know, <clears throat> and then down the road, like I just said, I mentioned before, I think this is the simplest form of marketing, just being extremely transparent with you guys. You know, I've been doing a lot of our marketing here at Varsity gym for the business of strength for our regular gym page for a lot of our other outlets. And, you know, I think we need to spend more time actually working on our training product, working on developing our employees and providing, you know, the world with better information because that is marketing, right? Let's say, CJ, you're the best freaking coach there is, right? He's amazing at X, Y, and Z, whatever your niche industry is. You're no longer going to have to go find people. People are going to come find you. Yeah. You know, and that's the difference, I think, is now with social media, we spend a disproportionate amount of time trying to go find people and trying to showcase what we might actually think we're doing as opposed to like, no, 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 don't get it twisted. I'm in here 10 hours a day and I'm actually doing it. People will come find you, you know, and an example is like the basketball stuff here and the performance training is I wanted to take a hold of two separate processes, which was our performance work and the basketball stuff, neither of which existed at the gym, you know, at the company I work for. And I like just totally deep dived into it. I read everything I can, stuff I'll share with you guys. But I built up those processes and now we have a hundred athletes in the gym in our open enrollment period year round. And now we have some of the best players in the state coming. I have, you know, I'm talking to college strength conditioning coaches. I have meetings with some of like NBA coaches, just simply not even marketing, just because it was like, Hey, look, I'm going to master these two avenues to the best of my ability. And then it kind of attracts people there. So as a young coach in that process, 
no, I think it's important that you master these things before you, you master the others. And then look at social media as a byproduct of that, right? It's literally like, if you're just showcasing what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, someone's going to be like, damn, they're really good. Whoa, Apex Strength, they know what they're doing. Whoa, CJ Campbell, he knows what he's doing. Whoa, Mike, this guy, he knows what he's doing. As opposed to, look at what I'm doing or trying to show like, oh, I do this and this, you know, as opposed to, I'm in it. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's what I just said. I kind of just scrubbed this here, you know, providing value. But providing value, this is not a social media thing. I think, you know, if you want to build a following of loyal clients, it's about giving more than you're receiving. Um, you know, you must over deliver in every endeavor, no matter what that is. You know, you have to figure out the ways in which you can do so. Things that I found to be successful, you know, is constantly interacting and asking people and be willing to do things for free. I think most people don't want to do things for free anymore, but I think that is your best ticket. It's like, imagine, imagine if you guys went through your DMs, right? This is something I've actually done. I just use Instagram because it's kind of where we've connected, but imagine you went through your DMs or your email and you picked five people and out of those five people, you just reached out, hey man, I see that your training is going really well. Do you mind if I send you this, blah, blah, blah? It's free. I think it would just provide value for you. Right. Something that simple to five separate people. Right. If you ever read the book, Six Degrees of Separation, let's say those five people do that thing for free. Now, what are they going to do? If they see good results, it could be anything. It could be in the performance work, basketball skill work, doesn't matter. Right. If they see good results, guess who they tell? Another five people. And those five people go through the initial person to come back to you. And now you've developed this reputation as, wow, this guy goes, over and beyond what anybody else I see do. Because we've all been there, right? I think everybody up here has messaged someone we look up to in the industry and they don't even answer them, right? It happens all the time. You know, as opposed to I think that you should always answer everybody. You should answer every email. If you have clients outside of here and they're emailing you more, you have to get back to them. You have to provide value. And Chris, being in the brick and mortar space, you know, something that we do is, is we do a coach email blast. And basically what that is, is we do the exact same thing. Pick five clients that come to the gym and send them something for free that you feel like would benefit them, right? And by doing that, you know, they spread the word in the community a little bit. They'll find themselves as consistent, loyal customers. And um, you build that network, right? It, I think, too, it's not about reaching masses of people. It's about helping people inside your circle to the best of your ability. You know, and then the last thing that I do, and it's a huge pet peeve of mine, is, um, you know, ask yourself, you know, would I buy, try, or implement what I am prescribing to other people? Right? Because everybody here takes, everybody here takes pride in their work and what they do. Chris, you train your balls off. CJ, you train your balls off. Mike, you train your balls off, right? And you fully believe in what you're doing for yourself works. That's the exact same model I would prescribe, obviously, under the pretenses of what's best for your client. But if you're providing that out to somebody, would they buy it? When I put this together, this thing I'm putting together now, it's free, but I was like, would I download that or would I watch the Zoom call? And the answer was like, yeah. That's why, you know, I, I made sure I put everything together of things that I've learned. So, you know, moving on here. And mind you guys too, right? This is a super brief overview 
of some things. And I have, you know, something more detail I want to go over at the end with you guys. But, you know, moving on is developing highly valuable skills. I'm writing an article. I'm kind of elaborating on it for Entrepreneur right now called uh, <clears throat> Seven you know, highly income or highly valuable income skills you should develop as an entrepreneur. And again, my freaking thing got deleted. I had a nice little picture there and it freaking got deleted. But the traditional fitness ladder exists, whether you're, again, in the private sector, you're working for somebody else or you're working even for yourself, right? You start out as an intern, you start out at school, you go and work for somebody else, you intern for somebody else, you do a great job, you kind of progress up to now you're a full-time coach. Now maybe I'm a head-time coach. You know, Chris, we've talked about employee development a little bit, but it's like I have to find interns, you know, especially the private sector. I'm taking six interns, but they're going to be under these stipulations. It's going to be free. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to take an education course. You're going to have to do something else. You know, and you're molding them into from an intern to a full-time coach, but map that process out. What does that look like? From full-time coach to head coach, now you're the head of department. Maybe you're head of junior development. Maybe you're head of our high school program. Maybe you're head of operations. Maybe you're head of this, right? So, and then you go to a, you know, a manager, and then let's say down the road, an owner. If even if you're in, you know, you're working for yourself, CJ, what I did actually is I have two people that are doing a, internship underneath me for free and you know what they do they learn i give them some activities to do i ask if they have any valuable skills that they can value for me and what am i doing in the process with them i'm helping them develop valuable valuable skills that when they're done using them for me they can go on you know for themselves and the segue from here is you know if i'm a young coach in the industry like we all are, you want to work on mastering a specific set of skills that will make you either valuable to yourself or to your company, right? And here's what happens. If you master a certain set of skills, <clears throat> let's say you work for, I'll use two models. I'll use yourself employed or you work for somebody else. You develop a certain set of skills such as, and I'm going to list them right after this, but you develop a certain set of skills, you become so valuable. Let's say it's video tech, right? We're all in the training industry. We love to do this. I'm a young coach. I'm interning at a facility. Amazing at video skills. Hey, owner, blah, blah, blah. I'll work on these video projects on top of my internship for free, right? And you just, you're so badass at doing it. But through the process, it's trial and error. It doesn't matter. You're not getting paid. You're just learning to master your craft. Now, all of a sudden, you've developed these amazing, valuable skills. And then they say, hey, that you're really good. Not only are you a good coach, but you also have these set of skills that set you apart from these other people. I need you on my team. Perfect. Now I'm even more valuable, right? Then I have other coaches. They just coach. They do these other things. But this other guy... He can edit videos. He does Photoshop. He's amazing with social media. We need this person. But, you know, the latter here, once you get so good at that, you get a lot of practice, can perfect it, and then guess what? When you're ready to do it on your own, you already have three years of practice of developing this highly valuable skill, but you can also apply it to other employers who are looking to hire you. You know, and I kind of go down the list here. I think 
I mapped out seven of the most valuable skills that I found in myself with our student house, but also with what we look for an employee. Eric Cressy put on a video that was so funny. It was like, what do I look for on a resume? Experience is great, all those other things, but he says he goes right down to the bottom. What are you proficient in? And I kind of put together a list here, you know, <clears throat> and I'm going to go right after this. But the second part to developing high valuable skills is networking as we begin to network with people who are, let's say, uh, more successful than us in the industry. If you don't have a particular set of skills and you're trying to network with somebody, you can never just take, right? You have to give before you take. And how are you going to network with someone you have nothing to offer? Right? I think that's the biggest thing, though. It's like, how many people, I'm sure even CJ gets and Chris and then Mike maybe even, it's like, how many people are reaching you, hey, man, I just want to pick your brain. <laughs> yeah right yeah hey, probably every day at class yeah right <laughs> hey man can i just pick your brain right yeah. hey can i just do this hey can i just do this it's like yeah but what can you do for me right and that's kind of the mindset of reshaping it again this is an overview you know there's a, a deep dive but you know i think that's extremely important so when it comes to networking if you don't have highly valuable skills i think I think you're useless, you know, not being mean, it's just the truth, you know, so now I kind of, you know, what constitutes as a skill and how can I maximize my value? Like I said before, I put together a list, you know, of seven of the most valuable skills that I look for in myself. Also, but what you should look for in other people, whether you're going to employ someone, you're doing an internship process or, you know, even, even yourself, you know, so number one is reading. Believe it or not, it's a skill. You know, I think the ability, like we talked about earlier in the lecture, was, you know, how do I acquire knowledge? From what categories do I acquire my knowledge from? And how can I learn fast, right? I get all hopped up on speed of implementation, I think. And that's kind of something that, you know, it's number five. But don't sit down. And if you're going to sit down and you read a book and you kind of go page by page, you're like, oh, that was cool, blah, blah, blah. To me, that's a waste of time. I look, when I'm reading a book, part of those three categories, I'm trying to look at almost, you know, what can I get out of this book right now? How can I apply this right now, right? It's like, what do I need in my life? What areas in my life am I lacking in those three departments? I need books for each of those. I need to write it down right now. So reading, but the ability to absorb, process, and apply information extremely quickly is a skill. Coaching, right? Obviously, it's what we all do. But it's a much deeper dive than this. I think coaching comes down to public speaking and communication. But in the sense of, and I'm going to talk about later, but in the sense of how professional are you, the tonality in your voice and what you approach your athletes with, right? How do you command a room, right? Chris, if I have 15 athletes and they all come here, all right, guys, come in. All right, everybody be quiet. Listen. Here's what I expect, setting the precedent up front. All right, I need five guys across the line right here. All right, guys, right now, blah, blah, blah. Right, the cues that I give, are they very specific? You know, do I hear you, do I use the word um a lot when I'm speaking? Do I, uh, right, do I have hesitation to my voice? All those things I notice when I hear other people speak. So if I'm commanding a room, I want that person to be punctual. I want them to have great tonality in their voice. I want to see that they can direct traffic, right? And, that, and that's a skill. And there's a lot of cool things that you could read about it, but it kind of circles back to the 70-20-10 principle. It's about you being in the trenches consistently. Number three is writing, right? 
the most underrated skill nowadays since media is headed in a crazy direction. You know, as Gary Vanderchuk has said, the internet is one. You know, we have to kind of buy into to that notion and writing articles, books, copywriting, email writing, even how you present a post in your Instagram, how you write on your website, CJ, Chris, you know, how you write articles to try to get them featured in other publications. All those things matter because everybody wants to do it and you have to realize how to set yourself apart. You know, and something that's actually helped me was writing some articles for, for big publications because, again, you know, this is a whole separate topic, but developing traffic on your website, SEO, white hat, black hat, right, linking, backlinks, all that stuff. If you if you get, CJ, if you get published in, I'm just making a publication of Simply Faster, Men's Health, or Muscle and Fitness, and your name is there, and you get 230 shares. Like, can you imagine the traffic that generates for you and your podcast products? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, but the way that you write is very crucial because I know this because <clears throat> you know I had a spreadsheet of 200 different publications that I wrote down. And I emailed all of them, and some people would say, "Hey, you should do this," or they don't even answer. So you have to learn how to channel your voice and it has to be consistent everywhere from your emailing to your website to your instagram to your copy mm-hmm. that's a skill right yeah. that's no, i think it's no. if i could jump it can yeah, i jump ahead. in real quick yeah go ahead oh so, by the way guys i'm like ask questions i'm like just freaking going on <laughs> um right so, so is is a young strength coach, and actually, I'm glad you brought up Gary Vaynerchuk because he also said something that I picked up on um, a couple weeks ago that actually really set a light bulb off that could help maybe help you guys too. Is when it comes to Instagram, Facebook, uh, publications, anything like that, he said that the new thing now to set yourself apart is the first three to four words in your title. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's a post, uh, anything like that. He said it the the line between people getting recognized and not getting recognized is literally the first three or four words because people's attention spans because of uh, media and, you know, like you said, it's all clogged up now and the internet is one and stuff. People want that verification right then and there. So he said the first three to four words in whatever title you put for a podcast, Instagram post, whatever, he's like, that's the attention span right there because people will lose interest. So, oh, of course. yeah, so I think it right, goes right along with what you're saying. I think uh, for any of us, like you said, to set yourself apart, those those four words could make or break the difference between, you know, you getting those 230 shares or getting zero. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's something that I did, too, you know, was I had a actually a whole Excel process sheet for like blog titles, how I would write it, using powerful words, mm-hmm. using odd numbers instead of your posts, you know, and the whole nine, which is, which is true though. I mean, you know, unfortunately yeah. in the industry, it's like, it's where it's headed. So you gotta, you gotta be up to times with everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> skill number four, I kind of touched upon it earlier, just technical skills, right? I think, you know, video editing, photos, website optimization, and Chris, even in the brick and mortars here, Right. It seems so minute, but at the same time, it could be such a valuable weapon for an intern. You know, what have you looked for an intern who had he liked the industry, but he was really into creative work and he's really into video editing and photos and website optimization. You know, I think 
Um, that's something that we struggled with here for a little bit because we had a, a full-time employee and he was amazing at that stuff. Unfortunately, though, he wasn't into the training aspect of things. So our, our goals kind of didn't align and he ended up doing something else. And now that's such an empty hole that I'm there a little bit for us. And, you know, we have another employee, Phoebe, who's great. And she's helping us do that a little bit. But... You know, I think that when I'm looking for somebody, you know, the interns, some of the interns hired this time, three of them had amazing technical skills, which is really important, you know. Number five is project management. Chris, you still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it is. This computer is awful. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is terrible. Seriously. Like, seriously. Like, you guys can see this, right? Can yeah, yeah, you can see the PowerPoint. Well, I can see everything. Cool. So, you know, number five is project management skills. I think this is more of an us thing, meaning us as an individual within our establishments, whether you work on your own or whether you are, you know, employed by somebody else. But being organized, detailed, and your speed of implement, implementation, you know, one in five connect a lot. But it goes far beyond that. How, how well are you at? You know, organizing tasks for yourself, you know, making sure you have a whole planner and a calendar mapped out and a social media calendar and a print schedule calendar and your copy is ready to go for the month ahead. You know, when you read something, can you obtain it? Can you implement it? What if you need a new system, you know, within your business? How fast can you implement that? Is everybody on the same page in their organization, right, Chris, or even individually? So, like, CJ, Mike, or, you know, it's like, okay, I have my to-do list. I have my social media calendar. I have this. I have to go through everything. Is everything organized? Is it ready to go? You know, I think that's super important. Um, just how it sets you apart. You know, the next is obvious, and this is kind of where we're all better at, as opposed to the other things, is your interpersonal relationships. Like, can you get along with my athletes if I'm going to hire you? Can you get along with me? During the interview process, is that, you know, <clears throat> is it just kind of a flow back and forth where we're talking? Or, you know, are you not that good in terms of developing relationships? Or even by ourselves, right? If I'm trying to network with other people, and I'm on the phone with, let's say, the strength coach of Michigan, I have about two minutes to make a good impression or they don't want to listen to me. And it's about, you know, how well can I develop those relationships with people? And that's also experience and time in the trenches, I believe. And in my eyes, the most important skill is resourcefulness, right? Resourcefulness, I think, is, is so valuable, it's unbelievable. And a perfect example is like, how many times have you been like, all right, I need to fix this thing for my podcast, CJ, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, where, where do I go? I need to Google this. What am I Googling? Does this work? Can I make this happen? Blah, blah, blah. Or it's like, you know, if I'm running a business and I have somebody do something and they can't get it done because they don't know where to search, they don't know where to find something, it's like, that's too late for me, right? I need this right now. I need to be extremely resourceful. Especially as us being like fitness entrepreneurs or just – you know, working for somebody else, you are your own brand, you are your own entrepreneur. And being resourceful and making things happen, I think it is so important. So these are kind of my seven, these are my opinion, seven most, you know, highly valuable skills that will provide you with a lot of income, you know, just because if you can do these things yourself, or you can find people who can do them for you, it's going to make your life a lot easier. So... 
Hey, we all we all all right. We all good to go. Yep. We're good. Yep, we're good. So the other four people just messaged me, and I think they're gonna go on it too. So I might run another one after this. But um, so creating a winning culture and individuality. Uh, this kind of just stems from what I just talked about. Whether you you work for yourself or you're working you know, on your own. I think creating winning culture starts with you. You know, your knowledge, experience, and the way you present yourself will be the basis of your culture in your space. And that's something that you take with you everywhere you go. And I put here the three P's of professionalism, which is, you know, presentation, people, and performance. So something that I look for when I want to work with somebody, or I want to collaborate with somebody, or I want to hire somebody, are these three things. And this is kind of when I'm skimming someone's resume or if I'm just talking to somebody, I look at it like, you know, how do they present themselves? And it sounds silly, but trust me, when I'm talking to like Joe DeFranco, Eric Cressy, I'm going to their mentorships and stuff like that, you better believe they look me up and down. It's the weirdest thing, but it's, you know, it's the truth. And it's like, hey, do they look presented all the time? You know, do they have their hair combed? Maybe do they tuck their shirt in? Are their shoes ties? Do they have a stopwatch with them? You know, do they have a clipboard? Every coach, and I did this myself here at the gym, I made sure that every coach, when they're coaching, has their shirt tucked in, they have a clipboard, a stopwatch around their neck, and their shoes are tied. Every single time, because it takes one moment for somebody to walk into your gym or to meet with you, right? You have the 10-second rule, and it's like, you know, what do I think about this person before they even open their mouth? You know, and that sets the precedent for your facility. You know, even you know, even if you don't have a facility, right? Mike, how many head coaches do you come in contact with all the time? Uh, weekly. I mean, no, just like you, you see coaches all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I mean, every day. Right, and so, and you know how this works, especially being in the basketball realm. These coaches, it, you're shaking hands all the time, and you have ten seconds to, you know make an impression on somebody otherwise it's like next you know yeah. especially with us cj you meet a client you're collaborating chris when you're selling somebody right on training at your gym it's that 10 second rule you know it's literally like wow this guy's really put together i really like what he had to say and it was only 10 seconds you know so people people meaning your personable skills in the dialogue and the tonality in your voice in which how you communicate with people is extremely important, right? It fills through it. So it's like, how do they look? How do they carry themselves? What do they have to say? And then I'll explain the last one. But your people skills are extremely important. You know, there's a really cool book. Um, I think it's called 92 Little Ways of How to Talk to People. I'm going to give you guys a list. It's on the list. But it's like, <clears throat> you know, do I look somebody in the eye? How do I shake their hand? When I start a conversation, how do I address them? Right, when they're in the room, do I say their name or do I call them he or she or do I say you? All those little details matter. And here at Varsity House, you know, and even with myself, when I go out to other schools and I do some things too, it's like that is your ability to command a room. That's your ability to display yourself. And then obviously, as it says, you know, that's how you create your culture and your individuality. And the last is your performance. Again, right, it all kind of cycles back through is your ability to demonstrate that you are an expert in your particular field. How do I look? How do I talk to people? <clears throat> and it is what I'm saying matter. Right, you have a minute. Go. Right, what's my pitch when I'm trying to converse with other people? You know, 
It's like, hey, CJ, my name's Adam Menner. I work with this and this. I'd be very interested if we did X, Y, and Z. Done. Hey, my name's CJ. I'm interested in working with you on this, this, this. Hey, my name's Mike. I have this background. I'm interested in this. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Apex Strength. Blah, blah, blah. blah. This is what we do. You know, it, it, and it's so crazy, especially now. And CJ, you mentioned it before, right? It's not only on social media do you have people's attention frames. It literally starts with this. Yeah. You know, and kind of, and that's like the very outline of your culture is just like the way I present myself. And we could talk about this for an hour of the people and then the way I perform and, and what do I know. Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of creating a culture, this is the second part of individuality. Systems, you know, equal structure and structure equals freedom. That applies to your life, your business, everything. You know, unfortunately, everything that I do is on a calendar. Date night with the wife, um, the Zoom call like this training when i have meetings what athletes are coming in but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it could be the simplest things but you know create a calendar map out the whole entire month and put in you know your important things first like your life skills first things that you need to get done in your personal life and then you start to fill in the blanks this is when i do this this is when i do this what time do i wake up every day what time, what do I do in the morning? The first two hours is the most productive. Then I go to this. CJ, when am I going to do my podcasting, my content writing, my Instagram posts? Right? When is all, when does all that stuff have to be done? Chris, it's like for you, you're an owner. You're running a gym. You have other people you are responsible for. But if you create your personal calendar first and then you fill in the blanks with everything, you're not going to be so reactive to your business and you won't be so reactive to your day. You know, I think that's extremely important. Um, and I'm going to talk about systems from like a training standpoint a little bit, less of like a life coach. But And then I put branding. <clears throat> we use this term all the time, but I think branding the right way is extremely important. And we kind of all just touched upon it a little bit, you know, throughout the way. But let's say you own a facility. I'll use Chris as an example. You know, you have your own facility, your location your apparel kind of what does that look like what is my first impression of when i walk in what is the ambience of the room and then if you're an individual scenario two again the three p's of professionalism how do i carry myself what do i know here right something that's cool too is, is that we do is you know implement athletes clients of the week you can even do that in a social media standpoint i know we each all have clients over social media or in a brick and mortar space but it's literally like Hey, I wanted to shout this person out. Hey, I comment on these five people's things a day. If I work for myself, you know, but if even in my actual brick and mortar space, maybe Chris, you guys create a newsletter. You send out client spotlights every week. You have athletes of the week and I'm sure you're doing some of this stuff, but it's like, whatever, you know, have a records board is super important. This is more for kind of the brick and mortar. If you're training athletes a lot, even so though, like CJ, even if you're, you know, I know you're doing your own thing, but I'm sure you work, you know, at other places as well. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, having something where athletes can feel rewarded for their efforts or people reward for the efforts for training with you. Right. Because you're trying to tap into their emotion, their psyche, and then they don't care what you're saying. They just remember how you make them feel. You know, which I think yep. is really important. You know, something that's fun that we do is team challenges throughout the entire training block. Uh, and I'm going to talk about how we structure our training. But, <clears throat> you know, this is fun just because it kind of just shows who we are and kind of is the basis of our culture. And we, we just like to compete. We have extremely high level athletes from pro, college, and high school. And it kind of just, you know, 
literally just puts our stamp down like this is what we do we compete if you want to train here you're going to compete with the best it's like i need to compete with the best right and that kind of just has a trickle down effect it's literally like you know from a junior athlete i gotta train with the high school kids from the high school i gotta train with the college kids from the college kids i need to be a pro one night you know or it doesn't even matter you know they kind of even in like if you're an individual it's just going through that process as well i think it's extremely important the next thing, something we do is just outreach, support your clients by going to events all the time. So if you're training athletes or clients and they have a 5K race or if their business is running something, or if your athletes are competing in their sport, you're there. You show up, right? You make a presence and you just, you know, maybe you give them a shout out on social media or you just message them or text them, hey, man, you did awesome today. Hey, man, that was really cool that you did. Blah, blah, blah. All you're doing, right, is you're just creating your individual brand your individual culture not you know i'm gonna pull down my pants look at my ass 1.5 million followers on instagram right that brand is, is, is very you know very surfacey <clears throat> something that i've come to know is like i don't think i would ever want hundreds of thousands or millions of followers and that sounds insane because everybody's like well i would just post my free fat loss ebook and i would get 10,000 downloads it's like sure you would Right. But those 10,000 people, you don't mean anything to them and they don't mean anything to you. And that's kind of that's where I feel like you should draw the line. There's a book called, you know, a thousand fans. And all you need is like a really group of people or a good group or a good community of people that you want to serve and people that want to listen to you. And they'll be by your side the entire time. And these are mentors. These are kind of like your colleagues. These are people that you want to learn from. I want to learn from Mike. I want to learn from CJ. I want to learn from Chris because I feel like there's always little things. There's give and taste that we can do. Chris is running something. No problem, man. I'll share with other people and I'll help you out. You know, no problem, CJ. What are you doing? You got a podcast coming out? No problem. I'll put that out. Right? Not an issue. So you're developing this network of people. And then, again, the six degrees of separation. When other people see how much those people are bought into you, now you've created a community. Now you've created a brand. Now you've created culture. You know, I think like sometimes I get caught up in it too. I'm like scrolling through. And I'm like, God oh, damn, that's really cool. Imagine getting like 200,000 views on a video. Imagine getting this many views on this, blah, blah, blah. It's about providing value in the right ways. You know, I don't want to say <clears throat> buttering your plants, but it's about, you know, making sure the people who are closest to you get serviced first and you over deliver in every way you know and then lastly i put and we're going to go over this a little bit this is probably going to be the longest one but just imp implementing elite and optimal programs that actually elicit results right back to square one would i ever buy try or implement anything that i wouldn't buy myself so moving on here right and this is i don't want to deep dive into this too much but it's kind of creating optimal performance plans and I just want to help shape your framework a little bit. You know, I could talk training forever. I could stay here till like 12 o'clock tonight and just like we could just talk training. It'd be awesome. But so creating the framework for training. Um, so here's how we kind of do things. Whether it doesn't matter your clientele, it doesn't matter who you're training. You know, if you're in a brick and mortar space, it does a little bit for continuity and cash flow. But it also kind of matters, I guess, if you're, you know, a one-man shop. And the way that I like to approach training is I kind of have this base of knowledge, 
right? So it's my pyramid. I'm contributing to my pyramid by reading a lot. Step one. Once my general physical not preparedness, right, your GPP, it's the same thing with learning. I build that pyramid. Now I get a little bit more specific, and then I kind of niche down here. And for me, I kind of do a lot more of performance training, strength training, but I still work with general pop. Right? I still train over 200 adults a week as well. So I see the whole spectrum of people from going like, hey, I'm prepping a guy for the Giants to Mary, who's 41 years old, and she has a whole sef- different set of needs. Same framework, different principles that apply to different people, obviously. Right? And here's kind of how we do it. I'm not going to get into the X's and O's of like lifting and percentage, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to explain you know, how I'm going to do that later. But... Chris, this is something to think about as well, or even if you're individual and how I would charge people as they pay, right? So like CJ, if you have online clients, this might be a model that you might be interested in. Same with you, Mike. And it's like, I operate in four 13-week blocks. Why? 52 weeks in the year. So I have them on a yearly schedule. They are always connected to me. I am always talking to them. So in the brick and mortar space, you pay 525 for 13 weeks, you know, and that's five times a week of training, or you pay twice a week, 475, that's two times a week of training. Obviously, you're gonna say, well, that's easy. I'm just gonna come five times a week for 525. It's only X amount more, but I don't frame it like that. I'm like, hey, you get unlimited value these 13 weeks. Come to unlimited amount of training sessions this week, which is fine, right? If I'm working like online clients, I say, hey, I'm gonna bill out your 13 weeks I'm going to do the next 13 weeks of your training and you're going to pay me either up front or in these increments, right? So it's like, hey, you at milestone three weeks, right? Let's say four three-week payments, you're going to pay me X and then X and then X. But the programming literally just is ever revolving. So it's like, hey, um, hey, Laura, we just finished your 13 weeks, right? You have your next progression coming on. Again, if you're mastering what you do, blah, 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 it's like, Awesome. I'm ready to renew on my next block. Getting them on this renewal service is going to provide adequate cash flow for both brick and mortar, but the online space. So four 13-week blocks. And then this is kind of, Chris, this is kind of tailored. CJ, I know you train athletes, and Mike, you're more athlete-based too. But just this is kind of how I train athletes from a purely performance standpoint. And, you know, so that's the 13 weeks. That's my annual training cycle. My mesocycle is the individual 13-week blocks throughout the year. Within those 13-week blocks, you have your macro cycles, right? So our first macro cycle opens up as what's called, you know, an acceleration accumulation phase for our athletes. We're working more force. So this is in the lifting realm. This is like more about strength-based, developing my, you know, literally my base of training and then on the field work for accumulation acceleration what i'm doing is working on developing force so it's more about like leaning starts single leg med ball throws um anything with longer force times because chris i know you guys train a lot of athletes you know yeah so there's that and i have a whole exercise index that i'll show you guys later or talk about later and those are the first 13 weeks within those 13 weeks my first two weeks is an acclimation period or open enrollment period. And you can do the same thing online. I've done the exact same model online. During these 13 weeks, the first two weeks, right, I have a template already mapped out in Excel. Hey, you're going to come in, Laura. You're going to do the first two weeks. Let me know how you feel. 
right? Same thing with our athletes, same thing with our clients. Let me see how you feel these first two weeks. You're just adjusting. Week three, within that macro cycle of the 13 weeks, is testing week. This is a barometer to see where I am with my athletes, and we do our testing. You know, we have three strength tests, we have three performance tests, and we have one conditioning test. The strength test is usually like a squat variation, a pull variation, you know, in a push variation, squat, bench, deadlift, in a pull-up kind of, but you kind of obviously can rotate per block. And then our performance test is a horizontal force. So anything going, you know, straight out, 10-yard sprint, a broad jump, any type of variation. And then, you know, a vertical, which is more like a box jump, a two-step approach jump, anything obviously going vertically. And then our conditioning test is either aerobic or anaerobically dominant. And that's week three to kind of get data, to kind of program out the next weeks here. You know, and even so, you know, even if you're doing like more of like physique or performance training, it holds the same principles. See, you know this? I mean, it's like, look. I first do my strength work, or I do undulating periodization, or I have my strength days, my hypertrophy days, and I do it in blocks, and then I kind of peak, and then I can test, you know, whatever the goal is, and I line up my nutrition intake with that, you know. So then the next few weeks, weeks four through seven, is going to be your developmental phase, but also what's called your power intensification phase, and that's kind of where a lot of the times with the performance athletes is we just changed, you know, we just took all this force work and now they're going to express higher velocities of training. And that's going to be through more rapid jumps, reactive jumps, some of the, a lot of like the lateral boundaries that you see me post um, things like that nature. And that's kind of using that new force that we saw from these athletes is expressed now at higher velocity. So I just built upon the previous phase. The last phase, right, literally it's like 8 through 11 out of the 13-week block is what's called my absolute speed phase, and it's my intensification phase with lifting. So I always align my lifting and my performance. Again, guys, this is super vague, you know, super vague, but it's just kind of getting the wheels turning a little bit, and you could ask a million questions, you know. But here is where, like, I'm running out my 15, 20, 30-yard sprints. I'm, a lot of the weight room work is more speed-dominated. It's more neurological, and I'll care more about output, you know. <clears throat> the last thing, week 12, is a low-stress phase, and this is where I take away all the volume, and I let them recover and almost peak for that week 13, and then they test. You know, I test my athletes in week 13. But here's the beauty of it. It kind of restarts with new exercises every 13 weeks, and then you have an ever-revolving door of athletes. And that's so important for, Chris, right, athletes when you're trying to sell them, hey, guys, next two weeks we just tested really well is open enrollment. They have to tell their parents because they're like, hey, look, I'm coming back in. I got to get back into the, you know, whatever, into the gym and continue my training. And then it's, you know, even in the online box, right? So I have seven different people doing the exact same thing where it's like, hey, you just peaked for this. This is, you know, again, I could get into the nitty gritty details of rep sets, program ideology, but this is more from the business side as well. It's also like, hey, look on the online model, Sarah, you just hit, you know, your best testing numbers and you lost the most amount of body fat, right? We have to start your new block. She's going to be, she's not going to be like, no, you know what? I'm good here. She's going to be like, no, you know what? Okay, perfect. And then she just renews and she's on that year long 52 week wheel cycle and she's not going to hop off. And that's for continuous cash flow. 
you know, and it works really well. Imagine you had seven people paying you throughout the entire year, you know, a thousand dollars on top of whatever else you're doing or however much you're in charge, you know, that's a different discussion. It doesn't matter. It's like every three weeks I get X amount online or you know, in the brick and mortar space, it's every 13 weeks, I get X amount of dollars up front, and that's my cash flow to allow me to do other things throughout that week, you know. And then, so that's kind of how we map it out from the 13-week standpoint, you know, and then each phase kind of builds upon itself. And then usually in like a daily template that we have, you know, for training athletes, Chris, five times a week, we use an undulating schedule where Monday is more of our main upper day, and then Tuesday is our true game speed day where it's like more about sprinting, change of direction, open chain work. Wednesday's our lower body day. And then Thursday's more of like our power day and our power endurance day where we work on, you know, more vertical force, depending on what phases, phase you were in, you can fill in with those exercises and then you kind of have to lay down the Excel sheet, you know, and then Friday we're off. Saturday is like a recovery, blood flow, upper body pump day. The one thing I love about five times a week, Chris, for the brick and mortar space is just how much I'm talking to them and how much I see them. I'm developing relationships with them, which is kind of obviously the theme of what we've been talking about. But even in the online space, guys, right? Even in the online space, it's the same thing. If I can provide a template of four to five days a week with continuous check-ins or objectives that they have to meet, which is something that I put in, it's this this relationship I'm building, and then they're going to love it so much that they're going to have to tell other people about it, right? Again, it's about nurturing the people that you have immediately in your circle. Like, CJ, how many online clients do you have right now? Right now, I only have three just because I'm still in school, and I'm not graduating until right. the 11th of May. Um, yeah. But I have... So far, I have four college athletes interested uh, once they're done with school in May. And then I'm also um, the strength coach of our local high school hockey team, and they actually want me to program for JV and freshmen now too. Um, And I was actually going to ask you, I was probably going to interrupt you in a second, but when you were talking about mapping out those days, I was actually going to ask you, how how would you map out if you only had three days with someone instead of five? Yeah, so, um, yeah, okay. I was going to take, I was literally going to have you guys answer every question under the sun, so we could just start now. (laughs) Okay, no, that's fine. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt anything. I can wait till the end. No, no, I just, (laughs) I want you guys to keep asking as many questions. I just kind of want to give you guys a lot of information. You know, I think, you know, one of my pet peeves, total side tangent, is, uh, you like do a presentation or I've done a zoom call and like there's no substance I agree you know I mean? they're like yeah yeah this is cool or maybe I would do this it's like no 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 I'm like dude you yeah. gotta give me some so <laughs> but yeah and then so kind of I have my daily templates like that and, and then we break it up but there's multiple ways that you can do it okay and then this and then this is it right so the last thing here kind of is as a byproduct of doing that is how you will attract high level athletes no, my whole big thing is, is you must become a master in what you do. There's a book called Mastery by Robert Greene. And it's just because of, again, the six degrees of separation. If I can become so good at what I'm doing in my area, like CJ, that that is such a badass opportunity. If you do it right, Yeah, it's going to set you up. Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of nervous about is because now I have three teams and the one thing that 
they all think is, you know, the freshman team should be training exactly like the varsity team. And going back to like what you said, uh, the foundation is the same, just the principles have to be different. Um, right. And that's what I'm trying to convey to them, just because no one's ever done something like this before uh, right. for the organization. So they're just all like up in the clouds about it. So uh, that's the yeah. only thing that I'm having trouble with is trying to map out three teams instead of one now. Okay. So, so hey, guys, let's do this, right? Because after this, uh, I was just going to answer questions, you know. So let's I'm going to answer all you guys' questions that you may have. Um, I apologize. I ramble a lot, but... Know, shoot away with what you guys got, and, and I'll map everything out that I can. So, Siege, how would you do three days? You know, as opposed to five. Yeah, yeah, three days. How? Because I usually so what I did last summer was um, we did an upper, a lower, and kind of a total body, um, just kind of blood pump day where they would kind of recover, but we would focus more on. Um, the conditioning aspect and not as much in the weight room because the way I had the performance scheduled with the weight room was um, I think on the upper body days we would do lower body uh, plyometrics and then I think two or Wednesdays uh, were days where we would be outside with the sleds um, and do or no 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 we didn't do sled we did sleds on Fridays so uh, okay. Mondays we would do lower body plyometrics and I think Wednesdays, I think we did vertical speed. I forget. I would have to look at the notes um, or horizontal speed, whichever one. And then Fridays, we did like sleds and conditioning and stuff. And that's solely based on the equipment I had available. Um, okay. Just because the gym at the high school is not equipped with uh, really anything. Like they're, they're stingy with plyometric boxes, let alone um, – any kind of agility or performance equipment. So that's all coming out of pocket with me. So that's all I could really program with. So Yeah. So I think, too, when I look at athletes, and, and this is kind of our onboarding process for new athletes, is one is that they're novice. So their experience is not going to be that high, meaning that the things that you give them do not have to be as advanced because they're going to adapt to basic things. Yeah. So, you know, start slow and then obviously progress from there as opposed to start high and having to regress. So a good three-day template, you know, and this is kind of how I would do it too, would be the whole nine would be, number one, I would create some type of waiver or release form for your end. I do. Yeah, I do have that. I have one of those and I recently got liability insurance now. Um, okay. Yeah, just because I'm starting to get a little bigger with my brand and stuff in the area, right. so I thought it was a good idea to get my own liability insurance because now I, you know, I I learned in school that you know you can sign all the waivers you want, but people can still come after you and oh, stuff. For sure. Yeah. So I we have the waiver set in stone, so that that's a okay. good point you brought up. Um. Yeah, but like like you said, like I just got my own liability insurance just to cover my own ass now. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of like the, the next, next thing I would do. But yeah, so that's good, you know, and then when approaching them, one, I would have a conversation with the coach and with the athletes and I would bring them up together and I would literally explain, hey, look, this is what I expect. Right. Talk about setting the tone. It's like this is what I expect. Here's our training program. It's going to be three times a week. These are the things that we're going to work on. I want you guys to be punctual. X, Y, and Z, and things that you want, things that you're looking for for them, because that initial moment is what's going to establish you as a leader, right? Because then they know, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to show up at this time. This guy means business. 
Because you're always going to find the relationship between, like, I still want these guys to like me. They're young. They're cool. But at the same time, like, I still want to be a professional in the field. I still want to carry myself a certain way because I want the coach to value me in a certain way so that he can elicit or he can give me more business. Yeah. So bring them up top, you know, and make sure you do that. And then I would set parameters. So you're going to have an hour. You know, how long do you have to work with them? Is it kind of infinite? Is Are you on a schedule? Um, so it, it was – it was an hour and a half last summer, three times a week. But now, since, <coughs> since they want JV and varsity there at the same time, I think we're going to go two hours, three times okay. a week. Okay. So. I mean, one, the two hours could be a little long in terms of filling yeah. space. Yeah. You know, because you got to be careful in terms of the sequence of your exercises mm-hmm. and how long or short it takes them. But again, they're probably pretty novice. So it's going to come down to more of like your, co- you know, your coaching is going to take the most amount of time like cueing a kid to do a goblet squat could take you five minutes oh yeah no that's that's what we went over last summer too and that's that's what i try to explain to the parents is uh you know they think that it's just a a 50 minute training session and i tell them i'm like look we can we can dim the time of the sessions down throughout the summer to maybe down to an hour and a half or uh an hour and 20 minutes but I told him, I was like, your kids, like most of your kids don't even have experience. So it does, like you said, it does take a long time just to teach a goblet squad or uh, anything of that sort. So it, the time does add up. So yeah, that's, that's the only reason why I kind of chose two hours, especially with another cool. team coming in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I chose an hour and a half last summer only because they would, they would take about 45 minutes. I set a timer. They would have about 45 minutes in the weight room, 50 minutes. And then we would go do our performance, and then I would we would always end with about ten to fifteen minutes left to uh, just stretch and like just kind of regress and before they leave for the day. That was that was pre- that was pretty much the the schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday all summer, last yeah. last summer at least. So. Okay, so you know I would map it out this way, just from a holistic standpoint. Okay. Right? So Monday, when they come in, yeah, I would just, I would just do their breathing warm up, okay. and that's just kind of like setting the tone. So maybe they do their tempo runs, jumping jacks, a little Tabata series, right there at the beginning, because that's gonna kick the week off with structure. I think so. Here's an example. All right, guys, come in. You know, if you have space on a turf, that's even better. Hey, guys, let me get five line leaders. If you're a line leader, raise your hand. Fill in behind. Right, we're gonna jog. You do a tempo run to the last line and back, fifty percent effort. You're gonna tag the next guy in. Okay. Right. Yeah. Five rounds. Five rounds. But like instantly, that's structure and credibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it kicks the week off. Then something that I would always implement. It's a time filler, but it's also like a pre-screening checklist. I think you know, and that's a moving warm-up. So I want you to put together ten exercises that you feel that they need to do at the beginning of every session. Squat, a lunge, a two-point hamstring stretch. Have you ever seen one of those? Like where you put the foot in front and you keep the spine straight, and you like have them reach through, and if they get any like rounding in the low back, that kind of tells me like, oh, their hips or their hamstrings are tight. So, yeah, we did, uh, we did like, uh, what did I call them? I don't think there was a name for it. It was like sweeping toe touches. So it was like one foot in front of the other, and if they started rounding their back on the way down, you know, that's where I could tell, like, hey, like, you're real tight, you've obviously maybe been sitting all day, or the past couple days, or haven't been doing much, or anything like that, Um, 
I was real big on warm-ups. We took, I don't know if this is too long. We would probably, I didn't do any of the tempo runs. We just went straight to the warm-ups. So we would do a dynamic for about uh, like 15, 15 minutes okay. um, around there. But I, I always like adapting to other coaches' styles of warm-ups because, you know, there's different philosophies and all that. So what, you're, what you were saying about the 10 exercises, I'm all ears. Yeah. yeah. So, right. And this is kind of how we do because, again, you know, as I talked about here, it's a system. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. like a system for what I do, and I can utilize it anywhere, anytime, any place. Okay. And the ten exercises is like a squat and turn to ten, okay. a reverse lunge on the way back. Oh, okay. A sweeping, a sweeping toe touch, an ankle cradle. Right, where you like hold on to the ankle and the knee and you kind of pull into the body. Yeah, yeah. So it's a remedial hip exercise, an ankle cradle, Mm -hmm. a walking spider where your hands are in the inside of your foot and your like foot's on the outside. It allows them to stretch the hip flexor. So I would do it once they do their tempo runs, then you're on the line. And they'd be like, all right, guys, first group squat and turn to 10. All right, good. When everybody's done, next group, blah, blah, blah. All right, next group, next group. And then, hey, guys, reverse lunge back to me. Good. Two point on the way down. Good. On the way back, we're going to go ankle cradles. Good. On the way down, we're going to go walking spider. And there's this flow. Yeah. Right? You're walking yeah. flow and control of your session. Yeah. You know, don't let the session kind of control you with that many kids. I've been there. Like when I had like 40 athletes one time, and it was like my first first time workout. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I have about 30 to 35 yeah. hockey players yeah. coming in. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to be faced with a bunch. Chris of knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure does Mike. <laughs> yeah, and that's well. That's why I'm I'm glad I'm on this call with you guys because you guys all are pretty much like professionals in what you're doing, and you basically are already out where I want to be. And like, I'm not I'm graduating college in two weeks, so like, I'm just literally absorbing every single thing you guys say. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, it's good. I mean, trust me, we're all learning. You yeah, know, we're all learning. So, um, and then I do my warm up, right? So you have to just structure a moving warm up. It's your checklist. When you're done, you're going to bring each guy to a different line. So, like, my first five out to the X, my next five out to the X, my next five out to the X. And now you have, like, you know, let's say you have 30 guys. Perfect. You have six lines of five, you know, six lines of five guys per line. And then they can hear you because you're the center. And then you go down to the ground and you can do a specific warm-up. So now you're about 10 to 12 minutes in. You'll do your specific warm-up. Eccentric push-up on you. All right, guys, three, two, one. Release your hands, back up. You can do five of them. A YTW where you're lying on Mm -hmm. the ground, right? Ten Ys, ten Ws, ten Ts, and then you're going to be on your back. You're going to do a single-leg glute bridge. You have 15. That entire sequence was one round, fellas. You have three rounds. Once you've done three rounds, bring it up on me, right? There's your 15-minute, 20-minute intro. Now you have 90 minutes to train. Okay. So you break them down. It flows, and then... That's going to be done, though, at the beginning of every session. So that's your Monday, Wednesday, Friday template or whatever you're doing. Okay. Because it just sets the tone, right? Kids are on the side. They're hanging out. They're texting, whatever. All right, guys. Hey, let's go. You know the deal. Five guys across, fill in behind. Yeah. And you're just just owning the session. You're owning the session. And especially, and Chris, you know this, when you do back-to-back-to-back athlete sessions, there's no lag time. Right. You know, there is no lag time. So there needs to be this built-in system where I'm like, all right, this, this, and this. I got these kids done. 
next, this, this, and this. I get these tickets done. And your employees need to know that system because when they're handling it, it's the same thing. Like, can they do what I would want them to do? Right? So, and then on Monday, I would do an upper body training session, uh, CJ. So you're going to do your yeah. upper body training session. This is the three time a week template. You're going to do your upper body session. Yeah. And with those guys, make it a push up variation. They could do an eccentric push up. They could do a rep out for push ups if they're good at them. You know, they could do a pause push up in the middle and you just do a three week progression. So, like week one is eccentrics, week two is pauses, week three is irregular. Okay. That's your main. And then you pair that with like an upper back exercise, a band pull apart, a YTW. If you have access to equipment, maybe it's like a single arm dumbbell row, you know, or like an inverted barbell row. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of kids can do push-ups. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think a lot of kids can do like a lot of like weight or train like that well yet, like Mm -hmm. benching and, you know, squatting yet. So, yeah, that'd be your push-pull series. And then the supplemental for that week could be a lot of like posterior chain work. So like you could do a RDL, you could do a two point hamstring stretch, a single leg glute bridge, you know, you figure out the exercise, but you do a posterior chain exercise, a shoulder exercise, and an arm exercise kind of in a sequential circuit. Okay. And then I would finish off with conditioning and their conditioning could be more like higher impact Right, so like their condition could be like more like a, uh, same like the tempo run, but like you'd sprint more. So like, hey, at seventy five percent, you're gonna go down and back five times. Week one, two, you're gonna go down and back seven times. Week three, you're gonna go down and back eight or ten times. Okay. And then that's Monday. You bring them all up. You do your cool down. Talk to the parents. Talk to them. Hey guys, great job. This is what I saw. Blah blah blah. Wednesday, same thing. You're gonna bring them up. You're going to do that warm-up with them. And then I would do more of like a dynamic warm-up. So they do their tempos. They do their, you know, moving warm-up and their specific warm-up. They get a quick sip of water, and then they come back, and then they're going to do like their ankle pops, you know, their high knee drills, all their positional drills, stuff like that. Um, and then it's going to be your main lower body day. So you could do a goblet squat. Okay. You could do a, a kettlebell suitcase deadlift. You know, obviously there's a scale from novice to intermediate to advanced. And I have this all mapped out on a template and mm-hmm. I just drag and drop. Here's my, here's my intermediate. These are the exercises I'd have them do. This is where they go in my template. Right. And then, so that's the main lower. I would couple your, whatever your main lower is with something, you know, like a split squat jump or a jump squat or a box jump, something where it's like a higher velocity, you know, exercise coupled with their strength movement. Cause the biggest thing I found in younger athletes is they just struggle to develop intent, right? Like yeah. everybody here, when you're lifting, like, you know how to lift, like you're like, there's 300 plus pounds on my back. I got to brace. I got to stay tight. Yeah. Younger kids, younger kids don't understand that concept. Yeah. So you're kind of like developing intent teaching them how to brace, teaching them how to do those things. And you get that with when you couple those exercises that I found. Now for the supplemental on that day, I would do a unilateral exercise. So like a lunge variation, a step up variation, a hand supported single leg variation. And then you're gonna do another upper back exercise and an ab exercise. Okay. Now on the conditioning side of that, I would do something a little bit lower impact, meaning like if you have access, if you have you know access to a sled, maybe I do. Like a, like um, do you guys use like a skier? 
or like a rower or so do you have any of that stuff um no the the closest thing to cardio equipment so i have access to the whole turf football field on the track but equipment wise the only things we really have is two prowler sleds and um I actually bought out of pocket another sled from Rogue, and I bought a bunch of uh, attachments to where you can like pull it, you can put it around your arms cool. and like uh, or drag it, anything like right. that. Um, cool. Yeah, so I got one of those. But honestly, man, like that's that's where it comes down to where it kind of sucks is I don't have rowers or any sort of yeah. cardio equipment except for prowler sleds. So perfect. That's all you need. Trust yeah. me. So okay. I would do. On that lower body day, I would do more of an aerobic-based prowler workout. So okay. maybe, this, maybe the sled and the prowler are empty, but I'll tell you what, week one, if you do eight minutes on the clock, week two, 10 minutes on the clock, week three, 12 minutes on the clock, and then you have them march an empty sled out, high handle, 25 yards down and back, pull an empty sled down and back, 25 yards for eight minutes, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You know I mean, that's a good steady state aerobic base of work that – is not as taxing as like doing a sprint or a change of direction drill or pushing a heavy prowler or sled. And the okay. reason I do the lower aerobic work on Wednesday, Chris, this is our old three week, mo- three day a week model, by the way. So, okay. so the reason I do that is because Friday is what I call your athlete day. In that athlete day, same thing, tempo runs, moving warm up, there's specific warm up. And then, is all about sprinting. So different sprint variations, different change of direction drills. You can do different jump variations. Anything where it's more about performance. Okay. And then what I like to do is I put in a team competition on that last day, that Friday, and make it performance-based, right? So let's say you have two cones. Or you have, I don't know, you had 30 guys. So I would do probably 10 teams of three, or I might do... You know, break it up some five teams of six, something like that, six teams of five or whatever the math comes out to. And you could have cones on each line, and they have to sprint, lower their center of mass, rotate, touch the cone, come back, tag the next guy in. You could do whichever team does four rounds individually first, you guys win. You get team competition, high output, and it's something fun because they're like competing against one another. Yeah. So you do their tempo work, moving warm up, specific warm up, dynamic warm up. And then you do your team comp. And then I would finish off with any like injury prevention things that you see, maybe like some shoulder rehab, some okay. band pull parts, you know, because that's their cool down yeah. to their most demanding day, but competition. Okay. So um, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I kind of struggled with over last summer was, you know, do I make a Friday solely based on uh, team competition? Cause we did do a lot of performance games and stuff like that. And I actually let them uh, bring like a like a football or a frisbee, or sometimes we drag out the soccer nets and we play soccer. So I'm just to kind of get them away from uh, all that specific stuff. But maybe I was doing that wrong. So I didn't know if I was supposed to be having them in the gym going hard on a Friday or using that Friday as kind of like a, a team day. So yeah, I I look at it kind of serves two purposes. Is one is like the team competition because they have to compete, so they know. Remember, every Friday they know it's coming. Yeah. So they'll get pumped up. You know, it's like, hey, Billy, you better recover. You know, tonight because you know what's on Friday. Yeah. You know, and you're just yeah. kind of like establishing this atmosphere, this rapport with them. And then second of all is because you did your sprinting and power work on Mondays. Wednesdays or whatever day one day two mm-hmm. and now you're kind of putting it to the test on day three so it's a good way to assess if your coaching and programming is actually working uh, okay 
because they have to demonstrate it in live play. Yeah. All right. But yeah, that's a that's a really good way to put it. I never thought about it that way. So. Um, yeah. No. That's that's pretty awesome. And yeah, when you were going over the five day thing, and I was just I immediately started thinking like, okay, I need to ask him how you can dim that down in the three days because that's all yeah. I really have with these hockey guys. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Mike, we going for a trip? No worries. <laughs> no worries. I was like, I thought we were going to the kitchen to grab some food or something. I got excited. No, I'll, I'll make the girl do that if I need some food. <laughs> Damn. Um, what else? But yeah, like you said, I actually got a chance to uh, visit with um, the strength coach for the Steelers last last summer because I was doing an internship. Um, and yeah and I asked him I was like hey for a young strength coach how do you get athletes like young athletes to keep coming back and you know they want to come to tryouts just so they can work out with you know coach CJ and get ready for the season because they know and trust and all those things you kind of talked about throughout the PowerPoint and the one thing that I actually wanted to tell you was you know I was expecting some crazy answer that you know I really couldn't do but he looked at me he's like every Friday Buy a bag of dum dum lollipops. Give them to the winners of any competition you do. And he's like, he's like, that's the he's like, that's the way you're gonna retain any athlete from a middle school kid to a high school senior because everyone loves lollipops and everyone loves candy and telling people that they got one and that their buddy didn't. And yeah. I I looked at him. I was like, that's that's probably one of the simplest but yet craziest things I've ever heard. Just because I just wasn't expecting an answer like that. So. Um, I think he told me to definitely start incorporating just little achievement uh, stuff with them just one day a week, not every day, right. you know, just so they don't start taking advantage of me. But, you know, one day a week, just having those little incentives, if uh, they can complete those tasks and like what you just said about the whole athlete day with team competition, it just lined up perfectly. So. Yeah, no, I mean, kind of like we talked about before too, you know, it was like just, you know, in, in, all of us it's like athlete of the week you know chris putting out in a newsletter in the gym or mike if you're training guys it's like hey look you know athlete of this week here this here you know whatever it is it's like these little achievements gives people recognition and that's what everybody wants no matter what age you're in it's like and that's why the team competition is fun so we do like for the winner of my team competitions we do like a free smoothie or t-shirt Okay. You know, yeah. so something like that. It's just a little incentive. But I use it for twofold. One, because I'm a nerd. I want to assess, like, all right, is my programming working? Wow, these guys changed direction really well. When they first got in here, I thought everybody was going to break their ankles, you know, as yeah. opposed to, okay, I taught them proper body mechanics and this and that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you reward them on the back end because they're, they're going so hard, you know. Yeah. So. Um, oh, I actually wanted to ask you about testing um i'm actually so i'm doing an internship at allegheny health network right now and uh and they you know they work with the pirates and stuff but anyway i talked to the director and i was like hey i was like i need some good testing stuff um for the x amount of high school athletes and i have this x amount of time to work with them and um i kind of wanted to run it by you and what he said was you kind of you kind of needed a a push um like a, any sort of lower body variation, he said he definitely would include like a vertical jump test, even if you make it out of Velcro yourself and they, you know, jump and pin something up on the wall. Uh, right. He said don't include anything too complicated just because, you know, me as a, a young coach, 
won't be able to record it and be consistent with the recordings and understand it that well. Um, and he said just kind of keep it simple with maybe like a squat or anything like that. But then, you know, that got me thinking, well, some of these kids might not even be able to squat, let alone be able to be proficient in testing for it. So yeah. I kind of wanted to run it by you just to get your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, no. So I would – step one is tailor your tests to your athletes and what you can supervise, right? Okay. You by yourself, there is no way in God's green earth that you are going to spot 30 kids squatting. Yeah. It's not happening, <laughs> you know? And it's crazy too. Like, I mean, Chris, when you run like athlete testing, I'm sure you have hands on deck, right? All the kids are all hands on deck and you're making sure everybody's safe and the crossbars are up and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, so the test that I like to run, especially like in that scenario, because we go to high schools and train kids all the time, is a push-up test. Okay. But make it something that's repeatable yeah. and scalable that you can retest at the end of your block. So, like, maybe, like, how many push-ups in a minute or something like that? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so how many push-ups in a minute, um, you know, uh, unbreaking. So, like, how many push-ups can they do in a row? How many push-ups in a minute? Um, any of those variations are great because it's just so easy. And then you can yeah. reproduce it over and over again, right? Yeah, yeah. The second test I would do could be something since, you know, they can't really squat. Or I don't I don't suggest putting a bar on their back would yeah. be a actually a max squat hold at parallel. Oh, OK. Right. So you have a universal timer. You have the kids holding. And if a kid says done, you just look at the timer. You tell him his time and then he'll remember it. And then at the end, you can record the times. Oh, at okay. the end. So right. you have this here. So therefore, you can time all of them at the same time. Yeah. Because then it's not a hassle for you, okay. right? It's like, yeah. all right, next kid up, you're going to be there for 10 hours. Yeah. You know, so you have your push-up, squat test. I wouldn't even do a pull-up test just because, like, you're, you're literally going to be, like, watching one kid at a time, right? It's time-sensitive. Mm-hmm. So push-up, pull-up test, and then this goes pretty quick. I would do a max sprint test, a 10-yard sprint test for time. You could line all the kids up. One kid runs through, you time him, you write it down. Next kid goes, you time him, right? Next kid goes, you mm. time him. So, but I, okay. No, no, you're good. Um, you can keep going. I was just going to say for the sprint, I would do it three times. Add them up by three and take the average because one, there's not, that's just, you know what I mean? It's an anomaly okay. of a number. Like they could either beat it or do worse, but it doesn't mean they didn't get better. Okay. Yeah. Because the, the sort of agility and running test that I had scheduled um, that I wanted to do this year was obviously the, the pro agility test. Um, I love doing just cause I love doing it in high school mm-hmm. as a hockey player. Uh, I think I have the T test. Um, I was a little weary on doing the L test. I don't know about that one. Um, but I was going to include maybe a shuttle of some sort. And then I was actually going to do a 20 or 30 yard sprint. Yeah. Which is fine. I would just pick one of the uh, change of direction tests. Okay. Just from, one from a time standpoint, but two, like the T test or the L test is just like the change of direction and like the backpedaling. Sometimes I feel like kids fall, they might put the wrist down. Yeah, that's means. true. Like, yep. They might do something like that. So like you have your push up, your squat, your sprint test, whatever distance you want, do three, take the average. Um, <clears throat> and then I would do like a shuttle test, like you said. So maybe it's like down and back X amount of times mm-hmm. in a certain amount of time. And then if you want, you can even do like a broad jump instead of a vert test. Okay. 
They, well, the only problem with the broad jump, I don't really have uh, a way of measuring it. I mean, I could obviously get a piece of tape and do all that stuff, but or a tape measure. Just get a tape measure. Yeah. yeah, get a tape measure. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... I think that's one thing um, that I really want to hammer out this summer because, I don't know, like you said, like when we're building our own brand and stuff, you want to create value, uh, and yeah. but you also want people to take you seriously. So I'm trying to really nail down the testing aspect of all this because um, uh -huh. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my programming so far, what I can do with these kids, but the testing is what I really want them to walk away with come the end of August when their season starts. So... Uh, I think what was the other question? Oh, when you said in your PowerPoint the two weeks of like the adaptation for like a client, and then on the third week do testing. Could you do that with all these athletes, or should we go right from like the first day? Uh, I would do one week of like acclimation and then test them. Okay, okay, yeah, because that that stuck out to me when you were talking, and I was like, all right, I gotta ask him about that because I didn't know if we should go right on the first day or maybe right. like give it some time. Yeah, no, I would do that. Because you need an acclimation period. It's more for you, not them, right? You're trying to yeah. say, like, what am I working with? Yeah. Yeah, that's what – and especially when you get, like, new kids almost right. every year. Exactly. Yes. So um, I think the only other thing I had a question on regarding, like, the programming and stuff uh, was my director actually asked me if – or didn't ask me. He advised me to do, like, a, like a three-test – kind of system so like test them at the beginning test them in the midway through the summer and then test them at the end i didn't know if uh i should do that or if that would take up too much time or anything like that if we should just do a beginning and ending test at the beginning and end of summer yeah um, i would do uh so like a midway in almost but the way i would do it would be like you do your acclimation how many weeks do you have with them by the way uh i have roughly 10 weeks with them Okay, so I would do, that's not terrible, so I would do two week of acclimation, week three is testing, okay. and then week four, five, and six is going to be hard training, like your developmental, mm -hmm. and then in week eight, I would actually <clears throat> test them, but not tell them you're testing them, have them perform the test, but make it as if it's part of their regular training. Oh, okay. So like today, you know what I mean? So, like, today, guys, we're going to work on our sprinting. But, like, you're not telling them. You're timing them. But, like, if a kid sprints, and you're, you're going to time him kind of, like, subtly. Yeah. And you'll just look down and you'll be like, okay, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Or, okay, I'm not. I need to kind of redirect my plan. Okay, so kind of, like, program the testing but not actually tell them. Exactly. Okay. Or, like, what if at the end of, like, a lower body day, instead of your, like, aerobic work, you yeah. did, like, a squat and hold test. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, we're going to go three rounds of max squat holds. Yeah. And like five kids are going to set PRs that day. Yeah. And you're like, okay, we're heading in the right direction. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's okay. That's definitely new. I'll definitely do that. Um, and then. Yeah. Other than that, that sounds, that sounds good. Yeah, I definitely, those are some of the questions I just wanted to cover today with you guys. Um, just because I knew I could get some valuable information out of it. So, yeah. uh, that's that's pretty much all the questions I have. Um, okay. Yeah, Chris, Mike, you guys, you guys good? Um, actually, pretty good, man. You did, you know, a very good job explaining everything, and I took notes, so I'll definitely implement that when it comes time to leave where I'm at and start doing my own business. You know. Right. Right. Chris, you all right? 
Yeah, man. Uh, you talk a little bit about just like developing a, uh, you know, just kind of developing a process to get, in, you know, get in tune with writing consistently. I mean, is this something you just, you know, every day you're trying to hit, you know, 500 to 1,000 words or, um, you know, kind of explain that process? Yeah, so I think the step one is the education process, right? Because, like, if you're reading so much, you're going to start drawing your own conclusions. Right. And then once you start drawing your own conclusions, you can write about how you feel about that or, or if you're indifferent or if you agree and you're kind of reproducing the information, but in your own way and how you see it. So that's step one. But step two is <clears throat> about three times a week in the morning I do it because it's kind of the only time I have to myself really is I'll write 500 words, right? 500 or a thousand words if you're kind of like in a rhythm a little bit and what are you writing i have three separate categories something i read something i saw like on the training floor that was like that's kind of a light bulb so like a perfect example is like for me recently i'm going to write an article about true change of direction and why kids need it right because with five qualities of developing speed and power slow velocity strength lifting high velocity strength running and jumping rate of force development weighted jumps right <clears throat> high velocity from a like a intern intramuscular coordination standpoint change of direction and then last is like the stretch reflex and i'm watching these kids change direction i'm like these kids are strong they're fast, but what's the missing component? Change of direction. So I started developing like how to actually train change of direction. So I wrote an article on it because that's something that I saw that was like a need for. So something I read, something I saw, and then the last one is something that I feel strongly about. Because they all have substance. Like when I wait, when I was uh, for my wedding, I weighed 205 no, 210 pounds, I got down to 165, right? That was a brutal process. It took like nine months, got <laughs> super lean, whatever. I was like locked in, but then I created the whole fat loss report, right? And it was literally my step-by-step -step process of what I did. But you personally did. Yeah, yeah. it's it easy because it was like I already did it. It's something I could write about. So something I read, something I saw, something I feel strongly about or I've experienced. Okay. And then just wait, you know, I spend time doing it. And then it becomes a system because then you learn how to write. Then you learn, oh, the pitch in my voice, the tonality in my voice. I don't use I, I use you. Like I'm talking to an individual person, breaking up my paragraphs, right? All those types of things. Um, you know, so any, any other questions? No, I just I Adam, you said on the uh you said on the NPR, man, so you guys do you guys dedicate one hour a day? Um No said, one time a week. One hour one, oh, one time a week. Okay, so yeah, on like a Friday. And so that you guys are separating the notebooks based on coaching, performance and business. And then yeah. one time a week you're writing for an hour and that's right. the notebook, is that right? Yeah, so that's like an individual system that I use for myself that's helped me in those three categories of writing, right? Because talk about reading. Like, imagine you read something about business, and then you saw how you applied it to your own business. You write an article, and then you post on Simply Faster. Yeah. Right? That's just like that. Then, um, for the coaches' NPR, those are the three categories that I give them. Most of the coaches pick training because it's a coaches' meeting. Like, they really don't care about business, you know, too much. Uh, some of them might. But I have them read 
uh, an article book or a piece of information from one of those categories. Uh-huh. And I created a template and I sent it to each of them. You know, and they fill out the template and then they have to present it to all of us coaches up on the whiteboard and then we film it. And then you can chop it and use it for content and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Gotcha. So. Sweet. Cool. Hey, so one thing, though, that I kind of did want to talk to you guys about a little bit was something that, you know, I just got done creating. And I wanted to know if you guys were interested in it. And I have it here. Let me know if you can see this. Not that. Right? It's something called the five-week performance prodigy course. Can you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of creating your future. You know, learn how to become a professional in the industry, develop skills, network, create optimal performance programs, create a winning culture, and sustainability for a long-term career. But it's basically an extreme deep dive into uh, everything that we just talked about, but into much greater detail. You know, and I kind of mapped out what it contains here. You know, my vision, my vision, you know, are you committed to this process and things that I look for with people that I'd like to work with during this course. And I'm going to send you guys this and kind of just, you know, taking you through five weeks of the following. You know, I'm going to help you guys identify your core values, become a professional field, how to network, your weaknesses, writing, programming, branding, education, experiencing, identifying holes in your performance plans, your marketing system, sales, structure of implementation, how to attract high-level athletes. And this is kind of the course how it's mapped out here. So all the questions that you guys have, you know, I have five separate modules. Module one is be the smartest person in the room. And that is literally in detail. I have like all the books that you should read with links to them. I have literally everything mapped out of how I would start. Like Chris, you just asked me about writing, how I would frame something, how I would submit an article piece. It's all done for you. Active activities that you guys are going to complete. You know, you'd be in a Facebook group and you'd have interaction with a bunch of other people, recommended training certifications, and seminars, uh, mm, you know, and that's just one module. You know, the second module is about creating culture and individuality, recommended resources, a full marketing plan, systems, creating a culture, three pieces of professionalism. But it's very detailed. Like I have like 10,000 words written up about specific steps, more of tangible sheets and actual takeaways, you know, that you guys can write. The third module is networking. And this one was really cool. It's like Excel templates done for you, letters of recommendation, or how to get internships, or all this stuff that's already literally printed that you can just fill in with your own stuff, how to write a formal application inquiry, how to network at conferences and seminars, you know, and it's a five-week course. The next is the training system, which is my favorite, which is literally an Excel sheet with all the exercises, indexes, plug-in plays um, for the whole year, and, you know, back-end information such as like I talked about, you know, performance training, speed training, uh, bridging the gap between strength training, and I could look at your programming, break it down for you, write it, show you how to scale it a little bit, and then that's module four, and module five is kind of like the application of training system in your business, how to fit it into your business, how to network, how to create a pricing, you know, pricing structure, open enrollment, you know, athlete assessments, which have like principal takeaways that you can use, and then, you know, kind of creating that for long term for your business. You know, one time a week, one to one call with no time constraints. I'll send the phone for 20 hours if you want. 
literally just talk about all these things. You'll also be in the Facebook group. You'll get free access to all the other courses that I have, you know, which is over a hundred thousand words of content. And I try to put out a new like article or piece every week in the Facebook group, along with the active activities that you guys have to kind of fill out. And then I have the whole done for you training template with full exercise index, you know, the whole live. And then I'm, every week I'm going to do kind of presentation like this, with the people and we'll break down one aspect of something that I noticed that you guys are having trouble with, you know, that you talk about in the group. And then you also get access to the private Facebook group. So this is something that I'm running uh, in about three weeks that I'll have up and running. You know, that's the start date. It's 349, but since you guys did it, you know, I want to give you the opportunity of like a referral thing. So if you guys know somebody, you guys get 50% off and they would get 50% off. But you individually, if you do it, I'm taking, you know, 20% off of that, that payment. So option A, you see is full upfront payment, take, you know, 20% off at 349, five step payments of 70 bucks. But again, take 20% off and then break it out or the referral discount. If you wanted some of your employees to take the course, you get 50% off, they get 50% off. Or if you recommend another friend or trainer. Okay, so it's just something I'm going to do in the next three weeks. I already have a lot of people that kind of have been interested in it and, it's kind of everything that I laid out, but totally done for you. Much more detailed, much more interactive, much more asking questions and stuff like that. So it's just some food for thought. You know what I mean? Think about it a little bit. Again, it's five weeks though, so it's a lot of it's a lot of time. Each week has its own module in it as well. But sweet. All right. So, yeah, just sit on it. Let me know. I'll let you guys know as well because, again, I don't want it to be, like, very – I don't want it to be a lot of people. I don't – like, let's say for a five-week period, I honestly – I'd probably cap it at, like, 10 to 15 if that – you know, I don't even think I'd go above that. So, but just because you guys kind of trusted in me and, and stuff that, I, you know, I've been talking about and trying to help other young coaches, I wanted to give you guys that discount off the top and – I appreciate it a lot. So sit on a little bit. I would say let me know in the next week, you know, if you guys are interested because I am going to release in three weeks and I already have like a lot of other people who have been recommending it and talking about it a little bit. So um, just give me a heads up. But Sounds good to me. Sounds good. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, so let me know in a week and we'll go from there. Any other questions though or anything you guys have or comments, concerns or? No. No, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Pretty, no, not really. Hammered, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. All righty, guys. Hey, enjoy your weekend. All right, as always, I'm an open book. If you have any questions, just just let me know. Yeah, we'll enjoy yeah. your weekend, too. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep. yep. Bye. See you, brothers. All right, guys, that was the meeting with Adam. Uh, as you can tell, that was a very, very, very productive meeting. Um, I'm happy I could give you the actual in-depth, like like you guys were sitting there in the meeting. Um, this is a huge, huge, huge opportunity for all of you if you listen to the whole thing um, to really start becoming a professional in whatever you want to do. Um, other than that, I really hope you guys got some useful information or useful incentive to go do your own thing and to be a better person whatever field of study you are i hope you have an awesome awesome weekend and i will see you on the next episode of the cfn podcast thank you guys so much 
And last thing, if you want to buy Adidas merchandise, go on to cfnperformance.com. Again, that's cfnperformance.com. You will see all of the links up in the pages uh, or in the tabs up at the top of the website, sorry. <laughs> um, but it'll redirect you to the online store for the Adidas merchandise. And if you are interested in online personal training, please, please, please get a hold of me. There is a way to get a hold of me on the website too directly. Send me an email. I want to work with you. I want to accomplish your goals with you. And I want to be your trainer. So invest in your health. Invest in you and invest in a better life and just becoming a well-rounded person altogether. All right, have a great day. I'll see you guys on the next podcast. Thank you.